Chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Doesn't feel complete. And so we spent time talking about the missing people in our lives, the missing purpose or perspective or power. And sometimes the missing piece is literally peace. And when peace is missing, there is definitely something missing in our lives. But today we want to talk about a missing plan. I'm just curious, how many of you would call yourself a planner? My hand's not up as a model, it's up because I consider myself a planner. I like to know what I'm looking forward to. And I actually like planning. For all of us, is there some things you like about planning? Maybe the anticipation of what you're planning and, and something to look forward to. But for all of us, there are probably some things that we don't like about planning as well. Things like it's work. It takes time. It makes you think. You have to make choices. You have to make decisions. Planning is not always the pleasant thing. But the, probably the most frustrating part for us who are planners, but for all of us as well, is that you make a plan and then things change. How thoughtless. <laughs> How thoughtless. All too often it appears, though, that people live life without a plan. And one of the reasons that is likely is because life can be so frustrating with planning because things are constantly changing. And so we just get frustrated and we stop planning. And it's true, none of us can tell the future. Ecclesiastes 8, 7 says, Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? Now there's a lot of things that we do to try to tell the future. And we've almost, we've, we have discovered, and if you haven't, you will soon, none of them work. What's your most recent tri trials of trying to tell the future? Like last Sunday, maybe the Masters. In the office, we did a Masters challenge to see who could. We do it every year. I want to point out, Randy won the rotating trophy. It is now on his desk. He is the 2021 champion, taking the trophy from Kevin, who took it from Brenda Gordon, who held it for two years running. I could go back further, but one thing you're not going to notice is my name on that list. In the office, we also did an NCAA tournament bracket, basketball bracket, and uh, perhaps you did that as well. We, our newest person in our office, Carly, who's our, at the front desk, our newest administrative assistant, it was her first time to do a bracket. She didn't even know what they were, but she filled out her bracket and would have won, except she forgot one little thing. She didn't pick the final game, and she had Baylor playing. She didn't pick the final, so she lost to Katie Rayner. Once again, you'll notice my name's not on this list anywhere. And you might notice all the guys in the office don't have their name on that list this year either. 
But for all of us, if you ever did the NCAA basketball tournament, you know what a bracket buster is. I mean, they just mess everything up at the very first round. And when we plan life, so too many times we have those bracket busters, things that happen right off the bat that just kind of seem to throw our plans out the window. Because we can't tell the future. But only God knows that future, and He does know it. Now, it's wise for us to watch trends and to be educated and make educated guesses on where the world is going and what is appropriate next steps. Just because there are bracket busters in life doesn't mean that we don't plan. James chapter 1 talks about what's missing when something's missing and it is a plan. James 1 verses 7 through 8 talks about people who do no planning. For many people, what's missing in their lives is a plan. James 1, 7 through 8. Since such doubters are thinking two different things at the same time, and they cannot decide about anything they do, they should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. The first mistake we can make about planning is to make no plan. So how would you describe yourself? More of a planter, planner or a responder? Are you one that commonly says, I just like to be spontaneous? That's okay. Plan to be spontaneous. There's nothing wrong with that. You decide to decide that I'm not going to decide. You made a plan, and you're going to stick with it. Plan to not plan. Here's what I think is inappropriate, is just to go with the flow. That's what I think is, is more of a problem. I'm going to use the example of dating. When you're dating, your parents very likely ask you before you went on a date, where are you going? What are you doing? Who are you doing it with? What time are you coming home? And probably it felt like a dozen other questions. What they were asking is, what is the plan? What is inappropriate to a parent for a child who's going out on a date is to say, oh, we're just going to hang out. I don't know what we're going to do. We'll just figure out something. No, 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 no. Not with my daughter, you're not. No. I want to know where you're going, what you're doing, and when you're going to be home. That can frustrate the one dating. But when parents ask those questions, they ask for a reason. And so when we ask this question today about our plan on life, we ask for a reason. Where are you going with your life? You're just going to hang out, just see what happens? You know, when are you going to be home? I don't know. And maybe it's frustrating to you to be asked all these questions. But it's only because our Father in Heaven cares about His children. And He knows that if we just go with the flow and just hang out in this world and see where it takes us, it will not take us to heaven. God cares about us. And he wants us to have a plan. Are you missing a plan? Another thing that oftentimes missing. Are we having trouble with PowerPoint? Did it freeze up on us? Oh, okay, let's go keep going. Sorry, I thought our computer might have frozen up upstairs. Something else is missing, and that is God. God is oftentimes missing. <laughs> 
Sorry, I get it. I get it together here. I want to read to you James four thirteen. We're going to look at that passage again, and just look at verse thirteen and listen to this typical business plan. Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Now, doesn't that sound like a good business plan? I mean, when are they going to go? Today or tomorrow. Where are they going to go? To this or that city. How long? You're going to spend a year there. What are you going to do while you're there? Carry on business? What's the purpose of your business? To make some money. Not a bad plan. When, where, what, why, and how? I mean, I ask those questions all the time. Nothing wrong with having an answer to those. But what's missing? Something's missing in this plan. What's wrong with this plan? What did they not do? You find God nowhere in that sentence. Nowhere in the plan. God says we should do planning, but we need to let God be a part of the plan. And when believers in... When it, many of us are believers in God. But it, when it comes to planning, we act like unbelievers. We plan out this week without consulting God, without talking to Him. Don't just pray about our plans. Let God be a part of them. We need to be praying about our plans. Too many of us, though, we make, we've made our plans for this week and we haven't prayed about them yet. And when you walk into the unknown future, the uncertain future that is this week, this year, and you do it without God... That's a lonely journey. That is a lonely journey. When you walk into the tomorrow and the uncertainties of the, of the future without a plan at all, that's just foolish. But to walk through it without asking God to be a part of it is just lonely. That's a lonely walk. So instead of that, James 4.15 tells us, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. God should be at the center of our plans. Life is just one big if. You see what I did there? If is in the middle of life, literally. And God should be the center of our plans. And if if is the middle of life, then here's the biggest if of all. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. God should be at the center of life. He should be the one big if of life. It's the only one that counts. In other words, let God have the last word. Here's my plans. Pray them to God. If the Lord wills, he gets the last word. Does your spouse get the last word in your house? Somebody asked somebody that question. They said, yeah, they get the last word. I'm just glad when they get to it. <laughs> Won't we allow God to have the last word in our house? The last word in our life. If the Lord wills, we'll live. And we'll do this or that. Don't plan without God. Don't put everything together like the girl who planned her whole wedding and had it all figured out and everything ordered. And somebody said, well, who are you married? She said, well, I haven't figured that out yet. Don't put life together without God. As believers... We are the bride of Christ. That's what's first and foremost. It's the center of all that we do. Don't allow God to be missing in your plans. So let's look for a little bit about the keys to finding God's plan. Here's some keys to finding God's plan. First of all, we need to consult God. 
And you do that by taking God's word to heart. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. My, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. We need to consult God with what we're going to do with our lives. One of the key ways to do that is to keep God's word, what God has to say in our hearts. In other words, we know it, we treasure it, and we think about it. You remember the words of Mary uh, when Jesus was growing up and she was raising her son, and several different times in life Jesus would do something and she didn't understand. Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? Now, that's the whole problem. You're not in your father's house and we were headed to the house and you're here instead. But she remembered it and she treasured it in her heart. That happened several times to her. And that treasure means that she thought about it. She considered it. And just like that, we need to treasure God's word in our heart. We might not understand it. It might not make complete sense. But we value it. We treasure it. We consider it. And we hide it in our hearts. The same was true with our parents, very likely, or the people that were significant mentors in your life. They gave you some advice, and you just didn't get it. It didn't make sense to you. If a job's worth starting, it's worth finishing. Sure, that could be next week. <laughs> Dad, we don't have to finish it tonight. You know, Things that they said that you didn't really get it. But if you treasured the person, you treasure their words. God has told us many things that sometimes we just don't get. We just don't fully understand. Why, God? That doesn't make sense. But I hope you'll hide it in your heart, treasure it, think about it, and consider it. Consult God and let it be there for you. We need to also then apply God's word to our lives. Again, in Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. So when you treasure his word, you're carrying it into this world with you. As you walk into the world today and tomorrow, God's word is like around your neck. It is bound with you, and it walks with you into the world. And it speaks to you there in this world and in the tomorrows of your life. And in so doing, it impacts those around you, your relationships, the people you deal with, and it impacts our relationship with God. You win favor and a good name with men, most importantly with God. So apply God's word to, to your life. Treasure it, take it with you, and let it work as you walk in this world. And then trust God always. Again, in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Trust God always. Trust God always. Man, that was pretty easy to say. Trust God always. Sounds good, doesn't it? Try living it. And trust God always. When you pray that he moves that mountain and he doesn't move it, what are you going to do? Trust God always. 
When you're in over your head and the floodwaters are surrounding and you ask him to part them so you can walk on dry ground and he doesn't, what are you going to do? Trust him. When the fiery trials of this earth are burning you up and you feel burned out and God doesn't put out those fires like you ask, trust him. What are you going to do when your prayers seem to go unanswered? Trust God always go all in go all in so you might ask me are you saying I have to have every moment planned and accounted for that's impossible and I would say not if you always trust God trust is always involved so what are you going to do when trust when your plans change trust Now, to make that a little bit clearer, let me explain a little bit more about this commit thought. Look at Proverbs 16.3, out of the translation that I memorized it out of. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Uh, I see a bunch of our college students still with us. Obviously, if you're a college student, wherever you are, that means you got admitted into college. I always like to say all college students have been admitted, but not all college students are committed. That's true in so many things in life. It's one thing to admit to a person, like when you were dating, I love you, to admit that love. Now, maybe that's easy for some of you. Those were the hardest three words I said to Brenda, and you're looking at me and said, well, you're dumb not to, I mean, why, why'd you have trouble with that? But it was. It was hard to say. I, I, I Ask her about it. She'll laugh and, and tell you about the first time I was able to get the words out of my mouth. But it was one thing to admit I loved her and to declare it and state it. But there was a whole different thing that happened when I committed to her. I wasn't just admitting my love. I committed to her and that commitment is continuous it means something in that bible story about the rich young ruler that came to to jesus and asked what was missing in his life and and jesus kind of points out what's i mean all these good things that you did but this is what's missing this is that missing piece he admitted that young rich young ruler admitted he had a problem he just couldn't commit it all And that's our struggle so many times in life. When have you seen that true for you? In my life, there are many significant things that help form me and shape me. On this principle, the first thing that always comes to my mind is our Mexico mission trip that we took for years. We started that trip when I was just a young uh, campus minister. And it was a very hard and challenging trip. It was a a time of great responsibility. And it was back in a day where just a lot of things happened. We had to borrow vehicles and... Our motto wasn't, was not, will we have a flat in Mexico? It was, how many flats will we have in Mexico? And it kind of grew and morphed into the thought is not, will we have a problem on the trip? It's, when will we have a problem on the trip? And in a very real way, it taught me to trust in God and to commit something to it. Now, even in the early years, I I really struggled with this. And before we ever went on a mission trip, 
we always admitted we needed God's need. And those prayers would sound something like this, God, would you bless our plans, bless our trips, keep us safe, help nothing to go wrong with us, help us to not have any flat tires, help us to do, help, you know, just list it all off. Make sure we didn't forget anything, because if we forgot it, that might mean that we might, that bad thing might happen to it. But all of a sudden, I learned, learned in a very powerful way that I didn't want to admit I needed God on the trip. Instead, that prayer before we left was one of committal. God, we give you this trip. And when the challenges come, no matter what it will be, we, we want you to keep us safe. We, we don't want bad things to happen. But even if they do, and whatever comes, this trip is committed to you. It means something. It means something when things go wrong, when things go wrong. We developed a little motto on the trip that, that was just simply watch in wonder. Watch in wonder. There, and there were some tough times on those trips and tough times in life. And I learned to uh, literally when those things happen, just to look around and say, okay, God, you got a problem here. Who'd you bring to help fix it? How are you going to handle this? Because this is your trip. It's not mine. I'm happy to help, God, and I'm looking. Tell me how I can be a part of helping fix this problem. And then watch in wonder how, how all things work together. Because it's his trip, and they are his people, and I didn't have to fix it on my own. And if you gave your life to him, it's his life. This is his journey, and you don't have to fix it all on your own. Just watch and wonder. Okay, God, we knew this was coming. We knew. I didn't know what it was going to be, but here it is. And then trust God because God will not bait and switch. He won't tell you, chase after this, and then when you catch it, it's, it's not worth it. Like a, a dog chasing a car. If he ever caught the tire, what would he have? God doesn't say, chase after me or, or walk with me, and I'm going to bait and switch. As a child, did you all ever play... Uh, Open your mouth and close your eyes, and then it will have a big surprise. And you did it? Really? Why were you so shocked when there was a bug in your mouth or hot sauce? Listen, God doesn't do that with us. You can open your hand and close your eyes and walk with God and trust him. He is not going to bait and switch. That doesn't mean life is simple and always easy and some of it doesn't taste bad. It just means that God is with us no matter what. Commit your life to him. Because one of the benefits of following God's plan is you have a constant companion. He's always there with you. God goes with you. You are not alone. You have the help. And God's plan will pre prevail. Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So won't you hold to God's unchanging hand in the midst of life's changing circumstances? Because they're going to change, but God's plan for us to live with him forever in heaven will not change, and nothing on this earth can change it. He is our constant companion, and his will will prevail. God also, as our companion, is there to help us in the hard times. Proverbs 30, Psalm 37, 23 through 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of those who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. 
For the Lord upholds him with his hand. God's going to be there to help us in the hard times. For those of us who are parents, you remember when you, your child was a little toddler and you're walking with them, maybe through a parking lot or, or somewhere, and, and they were just kind of learning to walk and pay attention so you would make sure they held your hand as you crossed the street or whatever, except you really wanted to hold their hand. But you remember when that toddler said, no, 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 I want to hold your hand instead of being held, the hand held? There's a difference here, right? There's a difference between holding your child's hand and them holding your hand. When the child is holding your hand, when they stumble, when, not if, when they stumble, they are oftentimes don't have a strong enough grip to stay off the ground. And they fall and skin their knees and they hurt themselves. However, if they will submit and let you hold their hand, even though, even when, not if, when they stumble, they will not fall. Because you have a hold of their hand. And this commitment we're talking about today to God means that God, I, I see you, I agree with you. Here, let me hold your hand. I'm in control, and you just be there if I need you. It is a commitment that says, God, no, 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 you hold my hand. And that means I can't run away and always do the things I want. But what it also means is I have a constant companion. And when, not if, when I stumble, God has a hold of my hand and I will not fall. He is my constant companion and will help in the hard times. And because he's there with me, he provides worry relief. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. So do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after these things there are many things in this world to worry about you want to know what they are just look around you are you so captured by the things that other people are worried about that it makes you worry about them too this is seen many things cause us to worry especially in these days and as we watch those around us struggle with those worries, it causes us even more worry and stress. But he continues, Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Those things that others or maybe you're worrying about are real concerns. But God knows he understands. He is control. And as his followers, what's the plan I'm talking about? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all will fall into place. Of the many things I enjoy about working for the Lord's Church here one is on Wednesdays for almost all the years I've been here I've been blessed to go to Oklahoma Christian Academy and uh, have a singing chapel with their younger kids it's a, it's a joy we just sing fun songs and all different kinds of songs first of the year we learn a bunch of them together my favorite song to hear those kindergartners to the fourth grade sing at Oklahoma Christian Academy is the song, God Will Make a Way. Now, at the first of the year, they don't know it so well. 
And when we sing it together and we get to know it, and as the year progresses, we all sing it together, and then I always tell all the teachers and myself, and the kids, kids, we're gonna drop out. You sing it, just your voices. And I wish you could hear those young voices singing the song, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He'll make a way for me. He will be my guide, hold me closely to his side. What a beautiful thought. It's one thing as teachers and as ministers to teach someone else that truth. And what a blessing when they learn it and can sing it all on their own. So no matter where you are, we are God's children. And I pray we have learned the truth of the song. Now, maybe it's a new song to you. Matt's fixing to lead us in that, that song. Uh, we're going to go through it twice. I didn't put it in there. But if back up afterwards. He's going to lead it once, and then he and I, we're not going to sing over microphones. You just sing. And if we get off, who cares? Because the truth is what, what we're looking for is this becoming your song to God that is personalized. So Matt, start us. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side With love and strength for each new day He will make a way God will make a way God So what's the, the next step? Is there a missing piece in your life? Maybe it's a purpose or perspective or power or maybe a plan. Something's missing. But I'm here to tell you, all the pieces you need are present. You just need to rearrange them. Let them come together in a new way to fill that missing part. I know that's different for each one of us here. For you, maybe it means to join a Bible class. 
Maybe you need to read God's word on a regular basis. To spend more time in prayer. And for some, maybe it is to commit your life to Christ in baptism. What's the next step of spiritual growth and obedience for you? Do it now. I remember as a parent as, at, here in our, after an assembly, being standing here talking to people when my kids were just very, very young. I see this happen to other parents as well, so you probably can relate. And, and my kids had a way of wanting me to be the tote that carried all their stuff to the car. And so they would try to give me their Bible or their packet, their, their whatever they were carrying, their backpack or whatever it was. And I would tell them, no, 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 you need to carry your own stuff. And they would snicker and watch me, and they would watch me get into a conversation with somebody where I was really talking and, and concentrating on them. And they would come up to me, and I didn't want to mess with them. And what they would do is they'd literally put their Bible or their backpack or whatever they were carrying in my hands while I'm standing there. And they would load me down, and I would hardly recognize what was going on. I mean, I didn't, didn't really realize it was happening. And then all of a sudden, I looked down, and I had all this baggage that I said I wasn't going to carry home. If you don't pay attention, you're going to get loaded down with stuff. Don't get distracted. But maybe you find yourself there. Where did all this stuff come from, and how did I get stuck holding it? I never intended to take it on. Maybe it's time to follow God's plan and unload some baggage. Tonight or sometime this week, I'd encourage you to set aside some time to consider these thoughts that God's been speaking to us. We've prepared a sermon discussion uh, little video. You can find it on YouTube. There's also a discussion guide that accompanies it. I'd hope maybe you could gather with those in your home for a meaningful conversation and a Bible study. It'll be posted on our YouTube page today. Let God continue to talk to you and teach you about this idea of planning and what's missing in our lives. For all of you listening in and present today, I hope that God has spoken to you in a powerful way and you will choose to respond. I'm not for sure what that response looks like for you. If you're at home, one of the ways you can communicate with us is through our webpage. We have a prayer page. I hope that you'll do it. And reach out to us. And we, we watch that. And we, we'd love to help you. If you're here present, we'd love to help you on that journey, whatever it might look like. For some, it is probably admitting that you need God in your life admitting that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, admitting that you've been going the wrong way and you want to change that direction. Those are all good things to do. And maybe in your heart you already did those, but there's something missing. You haven't committed it. You've just admitted it. And the way we commit to God is through, is through baptism. We give Him our life. We're buried and we're raised to walk a new life. He washes away those sins. We submit to His will that's where you are today we'd love to help you may God speak to you in a powerful way if you need to respond publicly publicly do so right now as we stand together and sing tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know 
Thus saith the Lord. 